NPR. In the past decade, the U.S. has had three different presidents. And during that same period, China has had one president, Xi Jinping. Tomorrow, President Xi will sit down with U.S. President Joe Biden at an economic summit in California. It'll be a rare face-to-face meeting between the leaders of the world's two biggest economies. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. Today on the show, NPR's China correspondent John Ruich explains why all eyes at this summit will be on these two men and what is at stake for both their countries. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at eTrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. E-Trade is a business of Morgan Stanley. NPR's John Ruich, thanks for uh, making time. I thought you might be in Shanghai right now. Oh, yeah, I kind of wish I was, although uh, the action seems to be here in the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here. Let's let's jump to it. So, so this meeting between Biden and Xi is going to be taking place at the same time as this thing called the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit, or APEC for short. Yeah, APEC's a grouping of 21 economies from around the Asia-Pacific, ranging from clearly China, the United States, Russia as a member. It accounts for over 60% of global GDP. And the idea is to push for free trade and to promote economic development. But the big thing that I'm looking at is this meeting between Joe Biden and Xi Jinping, because they haven't met in a year. They haven't even talked in a year. To what extent is this meeting a bigger deal than the last one? Yeah, it's always a big deal, I think, when the leaders of the number one and number two economies meet. I mean, think about a year ago. A year ago, the relationship between China and the U.S. was in a very difficult situation. Xi Jinping had just finished the 20th Party Congress. He had just been anointed party chief or handed himself the role of party chief for a third term, which was precedent-breaking. A couple months after that, a Chinese spy balloon, quote-unquote, floated across the United States and then got shot down. And then this silly balloon that was carrying two freight cars worth of spying equipment was flying over the United States, and it got shot down, and uh, everything changed um, in terms of talking to one another. Secretary of State Blinken was supposed to go to China. That was delayed and postponed. It's been a kind of rough year in U.S.-China relations in a period of rough years in U.S.-China relations. Okay. It seems like one of the things on the agenda for this meeting will be economic issues. Why should economic cooperation between China and the U.S. really matter to us, even to people who think that this doesn't really affect them? Because these economies are so deeply intertwined. The trade is worth hundreds of billions of dollars. I think China is the U.S.'s number three export market or trade partner. 
you know, also U.S. exports to China are extremely important, for instance, for American farmers. I mean, it matters in a big way if you, ex- if you grow soybeans in America. You talk about what Biden is kind of thinking about as he approaches this meeting. And my understanding is that a lot of topics are on the table, right? They, that Biden will want to bring up Taiwan, the wars in Ukraine and Gaza, climate change and human rights. But when it comes to economic issues, what does President Biden hope to accomplish by having a face-to-face with Xi? So the main thing, the mantra of sort of Biden administration officials and others leading up to this meeting has been that they want they want Americans to have equal opportunities in China as, as, as Chinese people have. And, and Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, said this just the other day. Our vision also includes a healthy and stable economic relationship between the United States and China that benefits both sides and offers a level playing field for American firms and workers. Markets there are not totally open. China has plans to dominate certain sectors. And Xi Jinping has really enhanced the role of state-owned enterprises, you know, rather than gradually nudging them sort of to the side or out of the picture in favor of market-driven economics. Mm. I mean, U.S. companies have complained about it for a long time, right? lack of access, unfair market access. And those are just things that have continued. They make it harder to compete in China, which is a gigantic market. One of the ways that the Trump administration dealt with that was to start a trade war with China. How should we understand where things are at now? Yeah, my sense is that, you know, the Biden administration is taking a more strategic view of the relationship, perhaps, than than Trump did. And he's reframed it so that it's less about just, for instance, just a trade war or tariffs and more about this big picture competition between these two countries. But of course, the tariffs are still in place. So this reframing of competition versus the trade war, is, is this actually holding water with Xi? Well, no, Xi did not love the trade war, and this thing he doesn't like either. He doesn't like the idea that the relationship has been cast as fundamentally competitive by the U.S. Yeah, and I guess this actually makes you think about what about the other side of the table? Like, what is motivating President Xi economically going into this meeting? Yeah, well, the economy has been performing poorly this year, and investment in uh, real estate is down substantially that has huge knock-on effects. Confidence is down. Consumer confidence is down. When I've been in and out of China and spent time there, people aren't psyched about the way the economy feels. For Xi Jinping to be here, you know, it's not just Joe Biden that he's meeting with. He's going to be making a pitch to everybody in APEC about the economic relationship with China. Foreign trade and investment with the U.S., with the West are big. After his meeting with Joe Biden that night, Xi Jinping has a, uh, he's going to be giving a talk at a dinner predominantly attended by U.S. businesses. These are skeptical companies, right? These are companies that are increasingly skeptical about the risks of doing business in China. It's apparently something that he was very keen on uh, to address them directly. Is this that $10,000 a plate dinner that I read about somewhere? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2000 for a normal plate, something like that. I would think that if you were President Xi and you wanted to tell American businesses like, hey, we welcome you, you would want to make it a little cheaper, like just make it a buffet event. <laughs> That's right. They could do it at the Holiday Inn or something. It'd be fine. <laughs> Okay. Um, So these are the competing agendas that these leaders have going into this meeting. What do you actually think we're likely to see come out of it? Both sides, you know, China and the U.S. clearly want to take steps to stabilize the relationship for their own reasons, which we've discussed, right? 
you know, to a certain extent, maybe it's going through the motions, but also for both, you know, having more communication, having things on a little bit more of an even keel Mm. uh, is probably to the benefit of both of the countries. The durability of that, I think, is is a question. So short term, I think we'll come. They're going to come out of this. There's talk of you know some kind of agreement potentially on fentanyl, which isn't an economic issue, but it's a risen to the top of the Biden administration's beefs with China because a lot of the precursors for Mexican cartel fentanyl are actually shipped to Mexico from China. And China, they think, hasn't done enough to stop them. Mm. There are military to military dialogues that were cut off after Nancy Pelosi, who was House Speaker at the time, visited Taiwan in mid-2022. And a year and a half on, there's a lot of hope that those are going to be reestablished. But it's unclear how long any of these goodwill gestures can last, right? Because in some people's minds, you know, we're not just talking about two countries that are competing economically. These are two countries that are competing perhaps with incompatible worldviews right now, right? But the idea of stabilizing the relationship a little bit at this point, you know, when they have the opportunity to meet face-to-face, I think is attractive to both leaders. I mean, I think the question is how long it'll last, right? It'll last until the next spy balloon incident, right? Or until there's some other issue that pops up, perhaps. We just don't know. I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, the big idea being that in the coming months, there are certain to be some events that ratchet up the tension. And so right now seems to be a window where it's a chance to tamp it down a little bit. Yes, exactly. And we don't know when Xi Jinping and Joe Biden are going to meet again. It might be another year before they meet again. They're going to have that goodbye, like the flaky friend goodbye, where it's like, we should do this again. And they're like, nobody really has an intention of following that up. (laughs) Right. We'll look to see what comes out of this meeting. And then we'll hopefully talk to you again to give us uh, a sense of what it all means. Uh, NPR's John Ruich, thanks so much for talking with us. Hey, thanks. I look forward to uh, talking again. This episode was produced by Cooper Katz-McKim with engineering by James Willits. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Cake and Cannon edits the show, and the indicator's a production of NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR.